do something our patients demand. Forget the cost and just fix us. We as doctors serving those patients are caught in the middle of a techno-consumptive society that runs on corporate greed. Can we get out from under the mess and fix our broken system? You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Richard Dale, professor of medicine and public health at the University of Washington in Seattle and co-author of the book Hope or Hype. Welcome, Richard. Thanks. Okay, let's start chapter one of your book. What's the problem? Let's talk about it. What's the problem as you present it with costs of healthcare in our system? There simply are too many things that we do and can do that are very expensive in some cases, but that have very minimal, if any, benefit at all. And those things range from drugs to devices to surgical procedures. And in some cases, we actually have pretty good evidence that the things we do really have very minimal impact, if any, despite the cost, and yet we keep doing them in part because of that desire to do something and in part because patients sometimes just are desperate. So there are, if you will, a lot of things that really are, if you will, marginal medicine that probably we could easily prune without affecting quality of care but having a big effect on cost. Your book, which I've read from cover to cover, and I recommend it to our listeners, is full of examples, really amazing examples, and I realized I'm part of the problem. (laughs) Can you give us some practical examples of stuff that we're doing that is silly? Well, sure. I think we're all part of the problem in a way. I I certainly am guilty of of, uh, irrational prescribing myself. You know, I think one one of the most common examples is just the treatment of hypertension. We've been convinced, I think, over the past couple of decades that a whole series of new antihypertensive drugs are better for our patients than the old drugs were. And yet when the all-hat trial was uh, completed just a few years ago, we learned that old-fashioned hydrochlorothiazide was actually just as effective or more so than many of the newer drugs that have actually gained much more of the market share. You know, the estimates are that had we been prescribing hydrochlorothiazide more frequently, we probably would have saved over a billion dollars a year and actually had better results in terms of preventing heart attacks and congestive heart failure. So uh, I think it's a good example of, in some cases at least, cost without benefit. Okay. So why do we do this? Oh, why do we do this? Well, I think that the reasons are complex and there are a lot of fingers to point. Certainly marketing is part of it. Marketing from drug companies and device companies, we're susceptible to it. Our patients are susceptible to it. And I think those things certainly influence how we practice. But those aren't the only things. I think we sort of share, we as physicians share a sort of a cultural belief that that more is always better and that newer is always better and that there there always is or should be a technological fix to our patients' problems. So so we, we come with that mindset. And then we have the media that sometimes hype new developments and make them sound much more effective than they really are. We have advocacy groups in some cases that represent patient interests, but but in some cases are advocating for tests or treatments that really aren't proven to be effective. And so I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Right. I see it in my practice as a dermatologist with, for instance, topical steroids. I am pushed all the time to write for new, expensive, high-powered topical steroids when basically some of the old generic basics work 
just as well, if not better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's a common experience. Without wanting to point just a single finger, I think it's certainly true that direct-to-consumer advertising has had an important influence, and we've probably all had the experience of patients coming to us asking for a drug that they've seen advertised and thinking, hmm, either I'm not sure this patient really needs the drug or I could prescribe something that's a whole lot cheaper and just as effective, but but the patient has a real conviction that this is what they need. So are we guilty because it takes a lot of time to talk a patient or to explain to a patient why the less expensive drug will work, or are we fearful that we'll lose that patient? Well, I think both things are at play. We all want our patients to walk away happy and thinking that they've gotten cutting-edge, best-available medical care. And we also are, I think, under increasing pressure almost on a daily basis to see patients more quickly and increase productivity. So both forces are at play, and if it takes an extra five minutes to explain to a patient what's going wrong and you have only 10 or 15 minutes to begin with, that's a big investment. Well, speaking of minutes, we have to take a minute here to say if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Richard Dale from the University of Washington in Seattle about how our healthcare system is manipulated by outside forces whose focus is just a bit too much bottom line. Am I correct about that? Are we a bit too much bottom line? Well, I think we are. I think, in fact, the healthcare industry in general has become so focused on bottom line, so focused on profitability, that in some cases, at least, uh, patients seem to be a, a second priority. Let's talk about our society for a second and the demand for technology. Do we just want to be fixed at any cost, and how do we reverse that? Well, the cost, I think, is something that patients are shielded from, and, and so they're under the illusion that medical care is more or less free. Sure, patients complain about the high cost of medical care, and we all do, but they're actually shielded from most of the cost because of insurance. And I think in many cases, patients feel free to request an MRI scan that we may think is unnecessary or request an expensive new drug that we think is unnecessary because they're not going to be paying anything but the usual deductible or some small fraction of the actual cost. So in fact, they don't really see the cost. But I think beyond that, we in the United States are perhaps uniquely convinced that there really is a technological fix to everything. When people have done surveys internationally, it appears that Americans are far more likely to believe that medical technology can cure everything than citizens of Germany or Canada, for example. Right. My patients want me to cure everything, and they want me to do it with a laser. And they want it now. And they want it now, and they want it for free. And I don't have a laser. And I have my electrodesicator, and when someone asks me if it's a laser, I've just given up, and I just say yes. The laser is so much more appealing, so, so technological. What part do you think what I call the Oprah Winfreyization of America has to play on this, that the media takes stories about treatments and cures and just blows them up and presents them as though anything can be fixed these days. Yeah, well, I think that's right. And of course, we share some of the blame. I think we, again, in the medical profession are a little bit guilty of overselling ourselves, but certainly the media are guilty of sort of uncritically accepting either marketing hype or simply oversimplifying messages that they get about new technologies. And You and I may understand that when a new drug or a new treatment is proven to be effective in clinical trials, it may mean that it uh, results in a 10% or 20% improvement in some symptom or some outcome. But patients often think that when something is proven effective, it really means cured. 
fixed forever, and yet that's that's pretty rarely the case, I think, in modern medicine where we deal so much with chronic disease. Right. I like to tell my patients only a surgeon cures you. I don't cure anything. And then I laugh and I say, fortunately, <laughs> keeps me in business, which is kind of the same philosophy of, of that. Well, let's talk for a second about the pharmaceutical companies. And one of the things that irritates me most is when they hand me this literature and it shows me how wonderful something is when I actually read the fine print, for instance, with some of the anti-herpes medication, turns out that the studies that they did show that it cuts the course down from seven days to six and a half days, and I'm prescribing a $100 medication for 12 hours worth of relief. Shouldn't we really think about this when we write prescriptions? Yeah, I think we really need to, and I think patients need to understand that. That's sort of a good example of uh, where the, the company might say proven effective, and yeah, it, it's proven effective. It, it shortens the course from seven days to six and a half, but that's not what most patients really are expecting, and I think they need to have more realistic expectations. And part of this, I think, is just sort of truth in labeling. I, I wish we had something that was a little bit more like the uh, nutritional labels on uh, supermarket goods, uh, where patients could look and see just how much better they're going to be with this drug. The current drug labeling really focuses mostly on side effects and says very little about how eff- how effective these things really are. Well, also the marketing. When, when I look at the television commercials, A, I'm not sure what the medication is half the time, but when I do... I just see these beautiful people romping around in paradise, and the message is, if you take this medication, this is what you'll get. Is, is, isn't this insidious, and should this be allowed? Yeah, I, I think it is. Certainly, uh, I think that it creates unrealistic expectations on the parts of many patients. One of my favorite cartoons is from The New Yorker, where the patient says to her doctor, uh, I think the dosage needs to be adjusted because I'm not nearly as happy as those people in the commercials. And I think that's sort of a reflection of the unrealistic expectations that are created. Can we stop that? Well, you know, uh, direct-to-consumer advertising is indeed advertising. Sometimes the companies will call it education, but it really is advertising, and we have constitutional issues of free speech there, and so it really creates some naughty problems about what restrictions you can place on this. But certainly I think we need to guard against and try to persuade our patients to be a little bit more circumspect about what they're expecting. Let's plug your book for a second, Hope or Hype, The Obsession with Medical Advances and the High Cost of False Promises. You've got the whole picture in here. What's the bottom line here? I mean, is it evidence-based medicine, or can you give us a relatively short answer about what we need to do? There are several things that that we need to do. I I think we as physicians need to pay more attention to the principles of evidence-based medicine, which which is to say that it's really not good enough just to have an expert vouch for something or to do something because it's what we learned in medical school 15 or 20 years ago or because it makes good physiological sense. I think we really need to insist on good evidence about the actual effectiveness and safety in real patients like the ones that we're treating. But beyond that, I think there are some regulatory things that could improve the situation. Maybe the most important would be actually requiring head-to-head comparisons of competing drugs or competing devices something the FDA doesn't require, which is what we really want to know. We don't want to know if a new drug is better than a placebo. What we really want to know is whether it's better than the other drugs that we have available, and if so, for whom. Uh, And those are the kinds of questions that are really difficult to get answers to. So that's sort of a, a regulatory point that I think would be very helpful for all of us. 
And then certainly I think there could be changes in drug marketing. The idea of a moratorium when a new drug first hits the market is very attractive to me. It'd sure be nice to sort of introduce drugs more slowly and see how they're doing before we advertise widely and millions of people just take them right out of the gate. So there are things like that that I think could make a real difference without having to completely change the entire healthcare system. So you mean I can no longer trust Sally Field that the medication works? It has to really be a doctor telling me that. Well, yeah, I always worry about the celebrity endorsements of these drugs. It turns out, of course, in many cases, the celebrities that endorse them aren't even using them or don't have the disease. That was the case when Cal Ripken was pitching one of the antihypertensive drugs. But certainly that's a common marketing ploy and, again, one that seems to be pretty successful. So it sure would be nice if we had credible sources. Thanks for being my guest today and sharing your ideas about our healthcare system and how we need to think and how we need to practice to help heal it. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. The hosts, producers, and staff at Reach MDXM are here for you, physicians who care for your patients. Tell us what you want and need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and we truly thank you for listening.